Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I've had this gentleman on the show before. Uh, it's been a couple years. Uh, I've always been fascinated by his work, his adventures. Uh, some call him the most interesting man in the world. I'm sure he cringes when he hears that, um, but it's always an interesting conversation. Fascinating gentleman to keep an eye on. Say hello to my guest. His name is Kevin Kelly. He's a best-selling author, the senior maverick at Wired Magazine, and a futurist, and the author of a new book called The Inevitable, which we're here to talk about. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Kevin. So, gosh, I'm quite certain my audience is familiar with you and your work, but uh, just in case, take a quick minute, tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're out there doing. Yeah, I used to, long ago, edit and publish a magazine called The Whole Earth Review from the Whole Earth Catalogs, the old Bible for hippies. And then I got involved in a lot of kind of cultural bending stuff, like the first online access to the internet called The Well, some early hacker conferences, the first virtual reality conference. And then eventually I was involved in starting the magazine Wired, which I was an executive editor for this first round until we sold the magazine around the year 2000 to Condé Nast, where it still is. And I went on to write some books, and my latest one is called The Inevitable, which is about the next 20 to 30 years on the digital realm. Outstanding. Well, always grateful for you uh, extending these important conversations. Uh, So this new book called The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. Lead us off by explaining the purpose, the big idea behind this book. Why did you have to put this out there? It's in some ways a reaction to the universal default of the future, which most of us have inherited from Hollywood, which is a very dystopian, doom and gloom vision of the planet Earth in the next 50, 100 years. In fact, I I cannot even think of a single science fiction movie where there is a friendly future that you want to live in on this planet. (laughs) And I think there's very, very difficult for us to make a future if we can't envision it first. And my book is in some ways an attempt to offer an alternative, an optimistic alternative of a world in which there's, you know, ubiquitous AI, there's persistent virtual reality, there's total tracking, there's, um, you know, screens everywhere and so on. And then it's the place that we actually want to live in. And so part of what I'm trying to do is, is to offer this version of the future and also to say at the same time, there's going to be a lot of new problems that this stuff makes. I am not a utopian, I'm a protopian, which means that I believe in progress, even though it's not perfect. And what we have to do and what I preach in the book is to embrace these new things because it's only by embracing them that we get to steer them. If we try to prohibit them, turn them off, turn them down, turn them away, we don't get to steer because they're going to come anyway and we're not at the helm. So part of the message is learning how to embrace these things in order to manage and steer them into forms and characters that we want. 
You know, I I love that you and others have described this as a, an optimistic look at the future. Why why is that something that we have to talk about? Why 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 is there such this doom and gloom? Yeah, it's it's in part Hollywood, but it's also part people just afraid of change, and they finally settle into a routine and an understanding of of the world around them, and they don't like to look ahead. How do? Why are we so bad at that? Why are we so bad at being? I mean, no, none of us are futurists in the in the Kevin Kelly mold. But but why are we so scared and and want to be so ignorant of what's coming down the road? I think there's besides the Hollywood connection. I think there's two other reasons. One is we've actually matured as a society. I mean, there was a lot more kind of unbridled uh, enthusiasm for technology, kind of when I was growing up in the fifties. You know, I read a lot of science fiction. There was no science fiction movies. Everything was, you know, stories that you read on books. And I think what's happened is is that we have learned that this stuff bikes back. So whenever there's a new technology that someone announces, sometimes our second thought is, you know, how's this going to hurt? What you know? I know there's a, there's a catch in here somewhere. There's there there's definitely going to be some unintended consequences that we hadn't imagined, and we sort of had been we've learned, you know, as a society, as as kind of adults, that 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 these technologies have costs, and so there is sort of a natural tendency now to, you know, n- n- sort of not not be scammed by by the new technologies, and 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 that shows a certain level of sophistication, which we you know, want to show off. So the second element is is that the news, the best news, the world's best news in any form you want to take is really biased against progress because it reports on things that are unusual. It reports on things that are oddities in some, some senses. And what progress is, is really about, progress is really about the things that didn't happen all, all, all the normal things of early death, robbery by your neighbors, uh, safety, accidents, and all these things that would normally have occurred to us don't happen anymore. And so that's, that's, it can't be re- reported. So you can't really report on progress in the news. You don't hear about it. It's, it sort of becomes invisible. And so the, the things to be optimistic for are just lost in the noise of news. And so that's... That's part of the reason is, is it, it simply isn't registering, even though the scientific evidence for it is there. So I think there's a general bias in our media scape, and it's not political left or right or highbrow or lowbrow. It's just endemic to what news is, in, by definition, that news is going to blind us to the reality and the evidence that there is progress and things actually are getting better. Mm. Lots to think about there. I have to re-listen to that, and and because <laughs> you're right. I mean, progress is we look at progress very differently than I think we should, and that's I think one of the messages of this book. So, all right. So we're not going to go through. I'm not going to ask you to do a lightning round synopsis of the twelve technological forces. We don't have the time for that. That's not valuable here. If you want to get into that, you got to read the book. What I want to ask you about though is the fact that that these twelve forces. These aren't Kevin Kelly's theories. And there's a reason the book's called The Inevitable. I mean, I think these things are already in motion, as you, as you say. Why, why is it important to look at these, these, these trends, these forces, these ideas as inevitable? I mean, we have to embrace them, right? They're, they're happening whether we want to or not. And as you said, the goal here is to begin to be in a position to steer them in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, and, and, to, and to exploit 
and uh, you know to optimize their their, their benefits. So the, the analogy, I mean, because I I don't I think it, it's impossible, literally impossible to to f- predict you know what products are going to be in in thirty years, what companies are going to win, what the specifics are going to be. So when I talk about things being inevitable, like say the internet was inevitable once you had telephones and electricity. I mean, in that kind of broadest sense as, as a form, in the way that we might say four-legged animals, quadrupeds, were inevitable on any planet that had the kind of gravity that we have because it's just the most stable thing. It's kind of baked into the physics of matter. And so a lot of these technological impulses that, that I attribute are coming because these are physical things. And if you, you kind of – you have these in systems again and again, they kind of tend to reoccur the same patterns. And so part of the, the – my job is to try to discern what those patterns are. So the one of the patterns is that you have this increasing complexification of communications and the internet. Was it going to happen? Would it happen on any planet or under any political regime? But – the character of the internet is not at all predictable or inevitable. It is something that we have a choice about, whether it's national or international, whether it's for-profit or commercial or non-profit, whether it's open or closed, you know, how it's run. All those decisions make, make the internet have a huge impact on us. So we have a lot to choose from, but we don't have any say on whether there's going to be an internet or not that's that, that that's coming and so what i'm trying to to do is is to point to those things that are moving in a certain direction so they're not there's no end point like an ai well we're going to end up with this kind of robot thing no i'm saying who knows where we'll get to but i do know we're moving in this direction where we're making things smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter and what happens with that if we if we anticipate that, if we prepare for that. So imagine, you know, 40 years ago when Moore's Law was announced, let's say 1970s, you really believe that. The forecast was that so far, computers would get twice as fast and half as cheap every two years. Okay, that was the thing. And, and what if you really, really believed that, that for the next 40 years, every two years, computers would get twice as fast, half as cheap? You didn't need to know anything about IBM or Apple or anything. You, if you just knew that, if you just believed and worked and, and stood on that, you could, of course, be a billionaire. You could have prepared education to have changed, to, 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 have, to have gotten to the point where you, know, you would say, well, then eventually we'd have these things in our pockets. Everybody would have one. They'd be so cheap. And you could have policies, uh, economic policies could all have been remade in, in anticipation to, to, to reap the fullest benefits of the fact that for 40 years, you know, computers would get twice as fast and half as cheap, which is what they did. And so that direction is all you needed to know. And, and what I'm trying to do is suggest that there's some other directions that we're going that are similar to that, that we could, in 30 years, reap more of their benefits and minimize the harm by acknowledging the fact that that's where we're going. Yeah, it's fascinating. Everyone yearns to to be ahead of the curve and be an early adopter on something, but yet when faced with the, the obvious uh, inevitable forces that are shaping things, they're, they're afraid to, to, to do anything about it because they don't really believe it. That's a belief seems to be really critical here. All right, Kevin and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, 
and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I'm back with Kevin Kelly, author of the new book, The Inevitable. Actually, the book's been out a year. This is We're celebrating the release of the paperback version of The Inevitable. So, all right, so Kevin, we touched on this the top half of the show uh, I want to explore it a bit further, certainly in relation to the 12 technological forces that you talk about in the book, but also just general in terms of how we interact with the world around us. Is this, I mean, you said that looking at this, the purpose of this book is to look 20 to 30 years ahead. Most people don't even look 20 to 30 days ahead <laughs> in their life, and, and they wonder why they're never that early adopter. And I talk about how to do that and, and why to do that and and to just I, we're, we're, we're too short term in our thinking and, and and if if we could if we could learn how to be longer term thinkers it would just change everything wouldn't it yeah you're right we have what we call the um short now meaning that we think about the next five minutes and we remember the last five minutes and beyond that there's you know there's nothing right and so we're i'm involved with an organization called the long now foundation and we're trying to encourage longer term thinking of you know let's think about the let's remember the last 10,000 years and let's think about the next 10,000 years okay maybe that, that's a big jump but at least let's think about things that we could do that might take several generations to do that might be completed after we were gone I mean we're the benefit in our cities and in our countries of of people and project who took a longer view who thought about making things that would last for generations or maybe even take generations to complete and we should be doing more of that the problem of course is that the corporations have a huge power right now and and it's very difficult for commercial marketplace driven entities to take a longer view because they have a you know a kind of a legal mandate to pay attention to the shorter term. And so that requires both governments and uh, nonprofits and citizens themselves to force a little bit more attention to a longer term vision. Now, what we do know about the future is that we're not talking about long term plans because plans and predicting the future, you're always going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong. Everybody's going to be wrong. But what we want to do is, is take long term thinking long-term perspective which which acknowledges the fact that you can't predict and so what you want to kind of engineer is you want to engineer things that will open up possibilities in time so that other people can participate in this project even if the actual details may change over time so you you are acknowledging the fact that we can't really predict exactly what will happen so we want to make something that is sort of flexible in time so they can uh, absorb or change or, or alter itself in the face of fact that it may need to, to, to the conditions might change or the people who are the next generation may have a different idea. And so that's a little bit more sophisticated approach, but that's also possible and that's what we know about how you do things over the long term. Hmm. Thank you for that. So 
Another thought I, w- I had when I was reading this book was if I was to gift it to, say, 10 of my friends who are in business, I, I worry that they would, they would take this and they would say, all right, how do I apply these to, to business, to making a product that's going to make me a billionaire? I, mean, I, I, I think that's obviously one direction you need to go with these, with these 12 trends, but I think it's important, too, to understand how they interact with how you live and your health and your, I mean, just lifestyle, too. I mean, it's not just business that these things have impact on, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, so again, I'm not trying to predict, you know, some future product or state. What I'm saying is all things being equal, in the future, we're going to have more levels of filtering on our media and our lives than we do now. It's never going to get less. So if you acknowledge that, that when you're making a business decision, when you're trying to make something, you, you understand that, no, no, it's not going to get simpler. There are going to be even more levels of this than if you, if you take that as, well, that's, that's the way it is. Then you can kind of work that in to, so whatever business you are doing will likely be more successful in the future because you have anticipated the fact that there's going to be more levels of this or that there's going to be the AI will become ubiquitous and the commodity. And so, so, so it is good for business, maybe not in terms of like a business model generator where you're going to, it's going to give you an idea for some, but it, it's kind of like future proofing, they call it, where, you know, it's like going back to the internet days at the very beginning of the internet. If you understood that everything was going to go online and you didn't fight it or resist it or try to delay it, but you kind of say, well, all things being equal, is will this decision be a good decision because we know that there's going to be that business, all business is going to move online. And a lot of people did not believe that Kodak and you know Walmart. They just they 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 denied that this was a real ongoing force, and that every year more and more business would go along. They they said no, people are always going. They're not going to do that. But if you just had acknowledged that trend in all your decisions, you would have made better decisions over time. So that's the business aspect. But I think what you're saying is, yeah, it works also for individuals in terms of I think one of the key trends is the fact that we're all going to be, that everything's going to be mutable, changeable, upgradable all the time. And that we individually are going to be newbies, constant newbies having to learn new things, unlearn old things, relearn things again and again and again. And it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 77 or 17 you are going to have to learn new things and the digital millennials see themselves as natives digital natives but man they're not going to be digital natives in five years five years from now they'll be (laughs) they'll be newbies again and they'll have to learn a whole new platform vr whatever it is with new gestures new operating system new conventions and so they're going to be in the same position that the rest of us have been in of having to learn new things so for me the chief skill that you want to graduate from school with is how to learn to learn always how do you learn to keep learning how do you learn to learn best and if you want the golden key is you figure out how you learn best what your style of learning is you optimize that that's a very difficult thing but if you can reach that where you can optimize your own self-learning forever then then that's the major skill that both individuals and even companies need to learn which is basically how to learn how to learn and that meta skill is 
really the thing that will unlock, I think, long-term success, both individually and in, uh, in corporations. You went right down the path I was going next. I mean, because obviously these trends impact how we work, how we live, and how we behave as consumers. But but you're right. I mean, it, it does impact how we learn. And, and, and I think humans are really lousy learners. I mean, what's the statistic that most people haven't read a book since graduating high school? I'm not talking about the importance of learning. Obviously, that is. but I th- And that also speaks to why we're so afraid of looking in the future, I think, is, is I think it's all part of the same problem. How do we change? A technology may force this because I, I agree with you with what you're saying that because technology is going to continue to evolve and change. We're we're always going to be newbies, so it's just learning to stay up with things. But but I guess the question I want to ask is how do we make people excited about this learning mm-hmm. process? I mean, I, yeah. why it ought to be something that they don't see as oh I don't have time my TV shows on I don't have time to learn anything I. Uh, how do we get people excited about that and 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 not look at it as as schoolwork, but something that's that's interesting, that's fun, that can be inspiring, that can help you be more creative and more innovative? I mean, how do we, the big question? I don't know how the hell you're going to answer it, but yeah, how do yeah, we do yeah. that? Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. I think one general way is to take learning out of schools, and 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 so I think a lot of people associate learning with school, and of course. The learning I'm talking about is much bigger than school, and so I think if we can take the learning out of school, maybe we need new words that aren't tainted. I don't know what it is, but if we take it out of school, and then, then I think people are much more willing to embrace it. And I'm actually, in, you know, in, in, uh, encouraged by like the maker movement, which is about people making things because that is. That's nonstop learning. I mean, like both learn how to do it, and then as you're making things, you are learning, and and making is a way of learning. And so this general trend that we see, you know, blossoming very widely, like on YouTube, the YouTube tutorials, people teaching each other how to do things, that's learning. And so people don't even recognize it as learning. And so I think if you know if we were able to 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 articulate it and identify, you no, know, you are learning. That's that's more important than what you're doing in school. And take it out of that school context, which is what most people associate it with. I think then we can we can rekindle that kind of enthusiasm for it, where people realize, oh, I didn't know this was what you meant by learning. It's you know I'm I'm, I'm making something in my basement. Well, yeah. You, each step you're doing as you as you are trying to do it better that's that's learning and that's sort of what we're talking about and i think there is a lot of it going on but it has a kind of um the vocabulary is tainted and the the association is something we need to um, separate it from. Mm, no doubt about it. You, know, you mentioned doom and gloom at the very top of the show, and, and Hollywood's impact on on how we see the future and all that. I I don't I hate to pigeonhole uh, the book because it's not I mean, certainly references artificial intelligence and you know AI, but but it's it's so much more than that. But that's just one idea that that does have people spooked. I think they've watched too many Terminator movies. To think that these machines are going to become too powerful—that that's not a fear that you have, right? I mean, this is when someone has that position, and I feel they don't really fully understand what what AI is really all about. Talk about that and and, and lay the fears that some people have that this is too frightening a, a technology and and the growth and where it's going is 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 dangerous because because I don't think that's how you feel. Right. So so artificial intelligence is uh, first of all, I always try to. to indicate that they're plural because 
what we're making is many different types of minds. We're making zoos of, of, of possible minds, all different kind, all of them different than humans. And this endeavor is, is very, very fundamental in power because these minds of various types are going to enable many of the other trends that we're talking about, or at least accelerate them from virtual reality onward. So, so this is an enabling technology like electricity was. Once we made artificial power and harnessed all artificial power, we didn't have to just use our natural muscle power or animal muscle power. We could, we, we made the, the entire cities that surround us, all, everything that we see uh, right now, wherever we're sitting is possible because we harnessed this invention called artificial power and spread it widely on the grid, the electrical grid. So everybody had access to this commodity electricity and that transformed our lives in every respect. That was the industrial revolution. And now we're doing the same thing with artificial intelligences, which we're going to distribute on a grid called the cloud. Anybody can get it. It'll be a commodity. It'll be widespread, many, many different varieties and species of it to do different things. And, there will for sure be all kinds of new, weird, terrible problems brought about by having AI as a commodity. But my sense of history, of understanding, is, is that the solution to those problems that are going to be made from this new technology will be more and better technologies, not to stop this or to, to prohibit it or whatever, or to, over, to prematurely regulate it. And so I think... We, we we have no trouble imagining all the unintended horrors that this might make, but what I'm trying to do is is to imagine some of the unintended benefits, and generally those benefits are exceed the horrors. So generally, for the past 200 years, we have created a few percent more than we've destroyed every year, and that few percent difference at Delta is progress compounded over centuries. And so AI has a promise to unleash whole new desires that we didn't even know we have, whole new occupations, which would seem silly right now if we describe them, and and whole new industries that will create more jobs than are lost from the people who are doing jobs that are marked by and measured by efficiency, which is really what robots and AIs are good at. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, I can't. I would love to uh, uh, talk to you about AI in like ten years' time. I mean, I mean it's going to be. I think it's going to be mind-boggling where this is going. And, and just a quick note to the audience: uh, Kevin was just talking about these these different minds, and that's that's a real treat in that book when he gets into all that. It's fascinating, and and excuse the pun, it is mind-blowing thinking about <laughs> some of those kinds of things. So, well, gosh, Kevin, I I only have fifty more questions I want to ask you. Unfortunately, we're about out of time. I know you have some other things to do. So real grateful for you swinging by and giving us a quick taste of what's going on uh, with the inevitable. Uh, before I let you go, should anyone have any questions on this? Uh, how do they find you? Where do they learn about your work? And most importantly, where do they get their hands on a copy of The Inevitable? Yeah, I have a homepage with my initials, kk.org. My email on that has been public for 30 years. <laughs> you can find it pretty easily. I sometimes tweet at Kevin2, the number two Kelly. And me, you know, I have uh, true films, reviews, cool documentaries, and cool tools, which does a review of cool tool every day, usually by readers. And recently we've started um, a one page email thing 
sent to you for free, which is six recommendations of like cool stuff to watch, hear, listen to, eat, uh, go see, tips and tools. That's has you know has about eleven thousand subscribers right now, so we're enjoying that. That goes out every Sunday. And that's called Recommendo with one M. Recommendo dot com. Yeah, I actually I'm on that list. Uh, I love that uh, every Sunday. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, so sure thing. All right. Yeah. Be careful, folks, when you go to KK.org, because you <laughs> might get lost and be there for hours and hours. There's a lot there, a lot of interesting, amazing stuff. And we haven't even talked about the cord either. That's a whole other conversation. What a the cool silver cord. Yeah. yeah. Like a graphic novel. Another okay. cool project on that. All right. Kevin Kelly, bestselling author, senior maverick at Wired Magazine and Futurist and the author of the latest book called The Inevitable. Kevin, as always, sir, uh, great to have you swing by and thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Kevin Kelly, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.